fake, fake, fakety fake. Welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and then talk about rebel lawsuits with other friends. It's complicated. Caitlin was on reading week last week, and my brain was fried. So we took a bit of a brain break. This is why this episode is so late, and we will have another episode out this week as well to catch up. There was also uh, very little to cover on this episode, so what I've done instead is I will do the standard Imperial Roundup so that we get caught up on the week, and then I'll play a clip from this past Friday's live stream. You can check that out live when it happens every Wednesdays and Fridays, 8pm, on our Twitch channel, Imperial News with a Z. On the stream, the clip that I'll play later on in this episode, you'll hear patrons Ken and Elrond on the recording. As we look into the rebel, talking about the Charlottesville lie, and then we will analyze two lawsuits that the rebel has lost. So enjoy the show, and we will see you soon. But now, it's the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on the Rebel from February 8th to February 12th. Ezra was off the week before writing a book, but he feels the need to explain why he was also on the show as the guest every single day that week. Hello, my Rebels. You know, I've been away for a week writing a book, or at least trying to. It's very hard not to procrastinate. Literally everything in the world is more exciting than writing a book. Which, if that is true, then don't write the book. No one is forcing you to write this, Ezra, so don't. Ezra is mad that the government apologized for a stunt that occurred at the Canadian embassy in China. A diplomat at the embassy was planning to create t-shirts for staff that said Wuhan clan over a logo of a bat, reminiscent of the Wu-Tang clan hip-hop group. To Ezra, this is a non-offensive little gag. After all, Wu-Tang Clan are a bunch of silly jokers. Now, if you're over 50, you might not know the Wu-Tang Clan. It was a rap group in the U.S. Actually, it's about 20 years old. Um, they had a bit of a sense of humor. Uh, I mean, this guy's rap name is ODB, which is more polite than his full name, Old Dirty Bastard. I think it might be a stage name. I think there's a chance that maybe his mama did not, in fact, give him that name. Uh, here's ODB. Baby, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on. Yeah, so there's nothing remotely Chinese about the Wu-Tang Clan except their funny name. Therefore, any apology is really evidence of the Canadian government simply bending the knee to the Chinese overlords. Pierre Polyver is removed from his opposition role in the conservative government, and Ezra is pissed, since Pierre is one of the only conservatives that Ezra seems to like. Ezra always wanted Pierre to run in the leadership race and sees this as a move of Eric O'Toole trying to consolidate power while moving the conservatives to the center. Newfoundland and Labrador delay their provincial election due to COVID-19 staffing issues. Ezra is mad and blames the Liberal Party for the delay when every party is sort of in agreement about the delay, so it's not really their fault. Part of the issue stems from polling staff who were found positive for COVID-19, causing concerns about safety at polling locations. Ezra complains that Newfoundland has such low COVID numbers and thinks that the fact that they can't find polling staff is a joke. Joke or not, 
people being unwilling to staff polling stations makes it a little hard to hold an election during a global pandemic. Lastly, this week also saw the return of frequent guests Lauren Gunter and Manny Montenegrino. Both were very boring as usual and talk mostly about conservative politics, specifically about how great Jason Kenney is and how conservatives need to be more oppositional to COVID lockdowns. And that is the week. On the Friday episode, they had uh, Joel Pollock on, who, for those who don't know, Joel Pollock is a Breitbart editor, and he was on the Friday episode of Rebel, and they talked about impeachment, and it, it was really bad. I mean, like, Joel Pollock's most, like, main takeaway about impeachment was that Trump's lawyers were just super awesome, and that... They made the best case ever uh, on free speech and that everyone needs to listen. Just listen to Trump's defense lawyers because we don't need to listen to the House Democrats because obviously Democrats are bad and you shouldn't listen to them. You just have to listen to Trump's defense lawyers because they make the most amazing case against cancel culture and pro-free speech in this impeachment trial. And the thing that's really annoying about that is Citizens in the uh, American country, <laughs> the United States, have free speech. But that doesn't mean that your elected officials have the same kind of free speech. And part of that is because they take an oath to defend the Constitution. And what comes with that oath is certain responsibilities, like not leading an insurrection against the government <laughs> that you just swore an oath to protect, right? So... I mean, the whole free speech argument is just really stupid, and they mostly focus on that. But Joel Pollock pushes Ezra and is like, there's one thing that happens that you really need to watch because it's the most important thing that was said during this entire trial. And so we're now going to watch what Joel Pollock thinks was the most important thing that happened at this trial. And so uh, brace yourselves. Because, like, I don't know, there's no turning back. We've been so manipulated by the mainstream uh, media that I don't think any of you are prepared to hear this devastating news about how we've all been wrong for so long. So here it goes. Well, this lie traveled around the world a few times, made its way into the Biden campaign talking points, and ended up on the Senate floor. The Charlottesville lie. The Charlottesville lie. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Why? Now, I will pause here and say that what we're going to hear, this comes from PragerU. So, so just let this sink in. That Trump's defense team is pulling from Prager University right now to defend the president for something he's not being impeached for. My guess is the reason why they're bringing this up is to say, look, the media constantly lies about Donald Trump. Therefore, the Democrats are lying about Donald Trump. Really, there, <laughs> there's no reason to bring this up. But the point is, is there was a lie having to deal with uh, Charlottesville. So now we're going to learn what that lie is. Prager you, more like pogger you, am I right? <laughs> Isn't poggers good? 
Shit, or like I don't know, I don't know enough about the legal. I don't know if we want to say that Prager U is Poggers. <laughs> no, we, we certainly don't. But we do want to say that this channel is Poggers, and if you wait long enough, you will have some Poggers emotes in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will. I will get on it. Elrod can vouch for the fact while we were waiting for the stream to start up, it's been a rough week with my kids. <laughs> Oh, it has been the. It's been a rough week for me with your kids. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> send them back. I don't know where yeah. you got them from, but send them back. No, my my youngest has you know, lover to bits, but uh, has learned some defiance, and <laughs> it is a, She does not take no lightly anymore. She throws a complete and utter fit. She's almost three, so she's in that two to three. Uh, buffer period which is very typical for them to uh gain that kind of ego it's just uh during covid it's it's been kind of rough this past week and it, and it came fast it just went like boom and then she was she was in on it so uh i can't even remember why i went on that see listen it's like affected my brain so much i can't even remember <laughs> it's my fault uh no it's all right uh so what's happening right now is we're going to hear about the Charlottesville lie. So I guess here it comes. This is what the lie is. Be prepared. Very fine people on both sides. Except that isn't all he said. And they knew it then. And they know it now. Watch this. But you all. So the, the lie here. The lie here is that Donald Trump said there's good people on both sides. And then that was all he said. And so what they're going to do is they're going to play that sort of like the clip about both people are bad people on both sides, but then play a longer context that they then think vindicates uh, Donald Trump and makes him out to be better than he's been, say, lambasted by the mainstream media. Also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group. Excuse me. Excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, us over here on the left are just like, take down all the fucking statues. Yeah. <laughs> Rock him up. Garrett, lock her up. But again, I mean, it's, it's going to get worse here, but you can tell it like he's defending, like there was good people who legitimately did not want this statue of Robert E. Lee, who was a general for the Confederacy and was fighting to maintain slavery. Like <laughs> uh, already you're just like, is this good for Trump? Is this, is this really make him seem great? Yeah. But it goes on. The statue, because he was a major slave owner. Now we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. So what surprises me is when you hear the juxtaposition there, 
because he says there's people out there trying to destroy culture. And then he goes on to say that there's these white nationalists and they should be condemned completely. But who are the people who are talking about culture being destroyed? Aren't those yeah, exactly. usually <laughs> the neo-Nazis, right? So there's like this weird uh, juxtaposition here where he's he's using their language and yet then he just pivots to like condemning them, right? But well, it's this weird thing that that they that the people that send, tend to argue for or to tend let's see if I can talk. The people that tend to argue against the removal and destruction of statues that say things like. Um, while you're trying to, as he said, change history or erase history, so statues are not like a historical, like they're glorifying things. They're saying like, this was cool. Like that's what a statue is signifying, right? It's supposed to be this big celebration of the thing. And if it's a statue of a slave owner or of someone who, uh, you know, for example, here with Sir John A. MacDonald and, and his horrific crimes against the, the indigenous people here, um, yeah, they don't, they, they shouldn't have statues. They shouldn't have celebrations about them. They can be in a textbook. They can be in a museum. They don't have to have a fucking statue. Well, in a, a textbook will give context too, right? I mean, like the yeah, statues exactly. don't really give context, but even then most of these statues were not like erected during the moment. They were erected during the, the push for civil rights in the united states right. and they were used uh created by like what was it the the daughters of the confederacy or whatever like a lot of these statues were erected by people who were pushing back against the movements at their time that were promoting uh civil rights and uh equality right and like we even covered this like in our context because you talked about Johnny McDonald. We talked about the one, the statue in Nova Scotia, where it's like a lot of these discussions, like that's the statue in Nova Scotia we talked about. I can't remember the guy's name. Jesus. Uh, I can't think of it either. Yeah, he was an asshole. Anyways, <laughs> it wasn't Johnny <laughs> McDonald. It was some British uh, uh, general or, or sergeant of some kind. Oh, who torn down on that alone. Who basically went and offered uh, payments to to scalp uh, for the scalps of Mi'kmaq people, and so this uh, this person like it the statue was erected in 1930, and it, like this wasn't and, and why was it erected in 1930? I mean, it, what people don't understand is like the, like it wasn't put there to say. Uh, remembering the history remembering our great heritage or whatever it was put there to be like look at this strong virile uh western man who came and, and settled this land and they completely ignored when they were erecting the statue the fact that he was complicit in a genocide and literally asked for the scalps of the people he was genociding and that was completely like not present during uh that statue unveiling in the 1930s yeah, it, it, I, I think it was Cornwallis. Was that Cornwallis? Yes, Edward Cornwallis. Okay. Yeah. Now I now I remember that discussion. Yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, a lot of this, especially as you mentioned, in in terms of the context of the civil rights movement, a lot of these statues were put up as a direct, like, opposite to that, or in opposition and in reaction to that. You know, it's like, oh, like all these people are are trying to fight for some rights. Well, let's let's put these statues up of. Uh, some people that maybe wouldn't have uh, been all about that um, as like almost like an intimidation factor. Yeah. The, the other thing is, so he ends by saying the, 
and like the neo-Nazis, which like we should condemn 100%. And that's the moment where they're like, ha, see, gotcha, liberal. He condemned the neo-Nazis. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah after, after uh, <laughs> all the other stuff that he said, just ignore that stuff. You, know, you just gotta, gotta weed through it a little bit. So you get to the part where he condemns them utterly after making a weird juxtaposition with culture destroying, but he said it. Yeah. But it's actually like, the thing is they think that this is exculpatory in some ways, but it's, it's not. And we'll discuss that in a second. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists. Okay. And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You got a, you had a lot of bad you had a lot of bad people in the other group too. Treated unfairly, sir. I'm sorry. I just didn't understand what you were saying. You were saying the press has treated white nationalists unfairly. No, I just didn't understand what you were saying. No. There were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some rough, bad people neo-Nazis, uh, white nationalists, whatever you want to call them. But you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest because, you know, I don't know if you know, they had a permit. The <laughs> they had a permit that the ACLU <laughs> fought for them to, to get as well. So we got sort of like two, two points here, which is that uh, the crowd contained, like they weren't just neo-Nazis. And then the other thing is the night before they were peacefully protesting the statue. So the, the point about them being uh, full of people who, are, who some of them are nice. They weren't all neo-Nazis. Can anyone remember what, what the name of the event was in Charlottesville? It was the peace and love thing, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it had to do with uniting... The right. Yeah. Unity. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> well, and so here's the thing. When when you hold an event that was called Unite the Right, and the people who run it are inviting people, or people who are showing up are the neo-Nazis because they're right-wingers that want to unite with other people. Well, if you're willing to ally with neo-Nazis, <laughs> what does that say about your own beliefs? You know? Don't, like... It's not like like it's, it's it's one thing like when you talk about certain like crowd when when people try to essentialize about a crowd about like how Black Lives Matter is full of like one like all people in Black Lives Matter want X right but it's another thing saying that the event is called Unite the Right <laughs> and the goal was to unite all these people together and one of those groups you're supposed to unite with according to this event is neo Nazis. Then, like, when you're saying here in your fucking speech that, oh, yeah, the Nazis are bad, but they weren't all bad people. They were people who wanted to ally with neo-Nazis. Like, <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's not exculpatory. But then the next point, the next point is that I saw the night before. Now, here's the thing is the video that we're watching now, I think, was on August 15th. And I feel like the rally was like two days prior. So this is... This is 
several days before, like, the march the night before. And Heather Hare has already been murdered. All these things. He knows about all this. He should. He would have had the time to check in on all this stuff. And he says, the people the night before were, were fine people. Now, I don't know if any of you remember this. <laughs> but these were the yeah. fucking people the night before. All right? So let's see what they have to say. So, (laughs) these are the people that Donald Trump was calling nice people. These were the nice people on both sides that he said in that clip that were protesting the night before. Both sides. (laughs) So, (laughs) it's so disingenuous to fucking play this clip making it seem like what Trump said back then was so innocent. And so uh, he condemned the neo-Nazis, you see? Even though he specifically highlighted those people the night before, the ones carrying the tiki torches, the ones saying Jews will not replace us, the ones chanting blood and soil, those people were the nice people on that side. Tell yeah, me, isn't uh, it? I was, I was just going to say, uh, if, if anyone wants a a good like timeline of those events. Uh, there's a great YouTuber, Sean, that I'm sure many people listening to this are aware of who did an excellent video uh, making much of the same points. And uh, if you go there, watch his video, comment on it, tell him that uh, Jody Elrond and Dr. Dick had sent you, and uh, I'm sure he will react with uh, complete confusion. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like, so I, I'm glad you brought up that video. I was going to bring it up in two seconds because th- just watch ah. how they, they end this. Well, we'll watch how Trump ends it, and then when the lawyer comes back in. The other group didn't have a permit. So I only tell you this. There are two sides to a story. (laughs) I thought what took place was a horrible moment for our country. A horrible moment. But there are two sides to the country. Does anybody have a final? Does anybody have... You have an infrastructure. What makes you think... This might be, today, the first time the news networks played those full remarks in their context. So, <laughs> right, because the news yeah. media never covered this at all. So the one thing that's really great about Sean's video on this subject, and I do recommend you check it out. If you type in the Charlottesville lie and then Sean, it should come up. Sean points out that, like, there's this myth, and Prager U is, is who Sean is uh, responding to, that created this, like, idea. And even Prager, Prager U has changed the name of their video, so it was called the Charlottesville lie. It's now called something else. The whole point of their video was to point out that, like, the media never covered it. And Sean goes in a lot of detail pointing out that, no, the media covers it. And they played that clip in its full context several times during this whole time. And, in fact, you could go to MSNBC's uh, YouTube right now and see that clip in full context with with nothing edited out. Uh, so conservative, like, here's the thing is, Trump's lawyers during this impeachment, fucking lied. Just fucking lied. With no no care of the world. 
And Joel Pollock goes on Ezra's show, for one, to tell us that somehow you just have to listen to these defense attorneys, and they were the greatest defense attorneys of all time. And then said, in particular, that what happened here was the most important moment of this entire trial. And why is that relevant to us? Because the reason why Rebel is is receives so much disdain in our country and is rejected by the Conservative Party is Ezra's connection with what happened in Charlottesville. In that he sent his... Well, we'll, we'll get into whether he actually sent or not Faith Goldie. But Faith Goldie, an employee of his, went to Charlottesville, was present during uh, Heather Hare's death, and then... Following her death, went on a neo-Nazi podcast. <laughs> you know, yep. so it's like for for Pollock to bring this up, and then for Ezra, Ezra then plays this clip, and it's like completely ends the Friday show, which is playing what we just listened to, the full clip, and then ends the show that way. And it's like you fucking bastard, like you participated in this, and now you're walking about like like. You're you're using it as well to sort of clear the name of the president, even though you're all fucking guilty in this. You're all guilty in it. Yep. <laughs> all in a faith work from Ezra. Which brings us to uh, a, a recent update that I, I didn't happen on his show, and my guess is he's never going to talk about it. And that's fine. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to suggest that people check out this article because uh, Jonathan Goldsby is pretty all right by me. He does a lot of good work. But this is this article is from November, and it says all of the rebels' ongoing lawsuits against the media that we know of. Because there could be more. Ezra brags about there being more, but whether or not there actually is more is up for debate. But there was a bunch. And so this was back in November, and two of the, the lawsuits that are listed in this article have since been rejected by the courts they've been dismissed and so those are the two specific cases that we're going to get into and they're relevant to the the charlottesville shit as well so the first is al jazeera and so the article says rebel versus al jazeera the plaintiff rebel news uh, network uh represented by this person defendant al jazeera represented by these people and it was filed uh november 2019 so content at issue. So this is uh, what what Ezra is mad about. Uh, he's mad at a September 2019 segment on The Listening Post, an Al Jazeera English series covering the media called The Right Perspective, YouTube, Radicalization, and Rebel Media, as well as an accompanying uh, online article. And uh, Jonathan points out that he was, in fact, interviewed for this piece. And here's the gist of the complaint. The rebel took issue with passages suggesting it's a conduit for radicalization, and in particular with connections drawn between it and three specific acts of violence, in which, the piece said, the men responsible watched the rebel media and had, been co had become convinced Muslims were invading their countries. The rebel, uh, I, actually I want to pause there for a second, rebel is now called rebel news. It was ironic that when we first started our channel, I came up with Imperial News as our name because it was a pun on both Rebel and media. But then shortly after we came up with the name and like several episodes into us doing the show, they changed it to Rebel News, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but I was like hoping for the double pun. 
and now it's just a single pun since we both shared the the ending of news. But back back then when this lawsuit was filed, it was still the Rebel Media. Uh, the Rebel asserts that no evidence has ever been adduced to suggest that the perpetrator of the Quebec City mosque shooting had ever watched the Rebel, let alone been influenced to commit murder by it, and that in the case of a killing spree in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and an attack on the Finsbury Park Mosque in London, United Kingdom, there was no evidence the rebel influenced the perpetrators to commit their crimes. Al Jazeera subsequently published a clarification noting that the three men in question watched rebel news or the work of their regular contributors. The rebel also objected to a statement in the piece that said that the Ottawa police filed a criminal complaint alleging that the rebel breached a section of the Canadian criminal code by willfully promoting hatred of the Muslim community. In fact, as a subsequent note by Al Jazeera clarified, a criminal criminal complaint had been made to the Ottawa police, but not by them. So that last bit is uh, true. I believe uh, it was the same. Oh, I can't remember his name. War, War, Warheim? I can't remember his name. He's, he's a guy who's uh, used to work for the human rights tribunals and has been uh, going after Ezra for some time. <laughs> but... This was the gist of the complaint. And uh, Al Jazeera responded by saying in a statement of defense, the Doha-based Al Jazeera contends that in at least two of the three instances, the perpetrators involved had viewed the rebel media shortly before the attacks. So those are the three incidents that they highlighted that rebel is trying to back away from. So for those who don't know, for example, the Quebec mosque shooting, that person... Uh, claimed to have watched people on Rebel's uh, platform. And that in the third, the perpetrator had recently viewed commentary by Gavin McGuinness, whose responsibilities and associations at the time included his role as a marquee contributor to the Rebel. They stated that the suit is being pursued as part of an ongoing campaign by the plaintiff, including multiple legal proceedings against media publishers and journalists for the collateral purposes of silencing critics of Rebel News and Levant. So they filed... They filed an, uh, an anti-slap, uh, or, or they complained that this was a slap lawsuit. So for people who don't know, a slap lawsuit is a strategic lawsuit against public participation. And what that means is that someone like Ezra or Rebel might throw out a lawsuit at you to stop you from speaking, right? Which, and the thing is, they could get away with it because if they have tons of money... They could just uh, keep it going in the courts. And, and it also intimidates others, like, say, me, from starting a podcast about Rebel. Because if I start saying anything that might uh, that Ezra or the Rebel might perceive as defamatory or libelous, they will come down hard and, and try to, like, uh, constantly throw these lawsuits at people. They've gotten away with it to some extent. But here's the, here's the fantastic thing. I mean, and, the, and here's the thing is I will say they have gotten it away with it in other jurisdictions as well. Because I think the other one was either Saskatchewan uh, or Alberta. And they don't have good slap legislation if I'm if if I have it all correct. But either way, I'm in Ontario, which is where this was filed. And thankfully, uh, we have some decent slap regulation. And the court threw this out based on a basically called it a slap lawsuit and threw it out, which means that they thought that this was Ezra just throwing this lawsuit at them and it wasn't based on any facts and they just throw it out without having to uh, litigate it further, right? Oh, the, yeah, yeah. 
Fair that's, enough, uh, that's good then. That's good news for you and good news <laughs> for uh, cases they may have. Right. I mean, because there's a, a sense in which if it's really, it, it could be intimidating to a lot of people if they could get away with just constantly filing lawsuits at people. And as Tony says, like they do this and he can't give details, but they have, they have done this sort of like uh, stuff in the past. Uh, I will say uh, Little Bread also says that John Oliver uh, has a good two-parter. Oh, sorry. Good two-parter on uh, slap lawsuits as well. I, I think that like slap lawsuits, a lot of people are becoming more aware of it. I remember, oh, I can't remember the, the name of the show. My brain's a little... They, they, oh, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. They had a huge uh, slap lawsuit. Uh, or they were trying to create legislation in many states in the United States. Uh, to get better slap laws because they had chiropractors constantly suing their show for basically saying that chiropractic is full of shit. And uh, yeah. And so they, they've succeeded in a few States from some of the lawsuits that have been thrown on them, but they they're working with uh, state representatives to try to like uh, put in place anti-slap legislation to prevent people from, from doing this basically. So it's it's good that I, I think P, the public is becoming more aware of this. I mean, it's not good that Ezra will continue to do these things. But here's here's another case. So we have the defendant, Levant v. the Narwhal. And it says, uh, yes, this was Ezra Levant versus Brandon DeMille and the Narwhal News Society. Content at, at issue. On October 2019 post titled Right-Wing Attacks on Greta Thunberg, How Low Can They Go?, Canada's extremist network, The Rebel, tries for the prize. And it was authored by DeMille, the executive director of the Seattle-based organization covering climate misinformation. The gist of the complaint. In writing about a confrontation between Bexley and activist Thunberg, DeMille offered background on The Rebel for a largely American audience. The original version of the Post, later amended, described Levant as a disgraced neo-Nazi sympathizer and said the rebel had provided laudatory coverage of the 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Levant and the rebel argue that such claims are entirely untrue, and that neither Rebel News nor Levant sympathize with neo-Nazis or publish neo-Nazi content or comments of any kind that sympathize with neo-Nazis. They dispute the idea that the rebel had provided positive coverage of the rally, maintaining that then-correspondent Faith Goldie had gone to Charlottesville over Levant's objections and noting that he fired her several days later. The plaintiff also maintained that Desmog, uh, which is affiliated with Narwhal, is operated by the Narwhal, formerly known... Okay, they just said that. <laughs> uh, and so there was uh, a response by the Narwhal. In a statement of defense filed in January, DeMille cited the rebel having formally provided a platform for far-right figures such as Goldie, Lauren Southern, and Gavin McGinnis, and Levant's praise for Goldie as brilliant, beautiful, tough, hard-working, great journalist, even after firing her for appearing on a neo-Nazi podcast. <laughs> and I have to say, like, just let that sink in. He says, we do not sympathize with neo-Nazis. His... Faith Goldie, while working at the Rebel, released a video called White Genocide, which was a white genocide for those who don't know, was create like that concept was created by a neo-Nazi, David Lane, who uh, was a part of the order, 
whose neo-Nazi group executed a Jewish radio broadcaster in the 1980s. He, he's the one who came up with the 14, uh, 14 words that everyone who's a neo-Nazi recites. Faith Goldie herself has recited the 14 words on other fucking podcasts. So, like, she was on his show as a correspondent. And he, now, whether or not he actually said, uh, go cover this, or whether he, he objected to her going, okay, but then she went on a neo-Nazi podcast. <laughs> and then when all of that is done... He still goes, brilliant, beautiful, tough, hardworking, great journalist. And yet he's trying to argue that he's not, he's not, uh, he doesn't sympathize with neo-Nazis, as according to the article claims. When it's like, I don't know, you just said that this neo-Nazi was a brilliant, beautiful, tough, hardworking, great journalist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> he also explained that the narwhal, which had evolved, uh, from the Canadian branch of Desmog was now an unrelated not-for-profit online magazine which had no involvement in the article in issue. In an email, Narwhal Editor-in-Chief uh, Emma Gilcrest tells me that they have no business relationship with Desmog and were named in the lawsuit erroneously. Okay? Uh, they also filed a anti-slap motion. And uh, they also succeeded. So we have two two cases where Ezra has gone after media companies and have failed due to anti-slap legislation. So the courts had found that these were strategic lawsuits against public participation. And, you know, they could win some and lose some in these cases. But I think the more that Rebel loses these cases, the better for people like me. <laughs> the better for people like tony who cover this shit uh because i mean it, it counts as so like sort of precedent the more the uh legal system starts to realize that hey this person who keeps on filing slap lawsuits that keep on getting thrown out of court maybe like we should just also throw like constantly keep throwing out of slap lawsuits because he's engaged in a practice here there's clearly a pattern of intent right and so uh all I have to say to this, I guess, is a cheers. <laughs> Congratulations uh, to the, the, the legal system in recognizing Ezra for the asshole that he is. I just want to say... I mean, it's a bit uh, late news now, but a lot of shit went down in Texas. So I would recommend if you're going to do anything proactive, you can start by uh, helping some Texans out. Uh, they're still suffering after the power outages that they uh, received over several days because of that winter storm. And so uh, it's pretty devastating. So I know the United Way does a lot of work down in Texas, but there's other organizations as well that you can connect with and uh, try to help out if you can. Uh, every little bit does help, and people are in need right now. So that is one thing that you can do. But once you're done doing that, if you support and enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up, and we'll be doing Twitch streams every Wednesday and Friday at 8 p.m. You can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes. 
Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And some of you are fine people. On both sides. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.